The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the Psalms. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. This is one of the most memorized, most well-known texts in all of our Bible, and for good reason for very good reason, as we're going to see. It's an absolutely beautiful psalm. And through this psalm, hear me, God tells us so much about himself. God tells us so much about who he is. We get this incredible picture of Jesus. Um, And this psalm leaves you with a smile on your face. It just does. It's beautiful. And the God who is revealed in these, these six verses is a good God. Just a good God. We get the privilege of looking at this. And and if we believe what God tells us about himself in this psalm, if we believe what God is telling us about himself, uh, our lives would not be the same. Our our perspective on ourselves, on our life, and most importantly, on our God would never be the same if we wrapped our minds around this. And so I cannot wait. Um, This psalm was written by David, King David, who, if you remember, was a shepherd at one time, which which makes a profound impact on this text because of the descriptions that he's going to give. He was well acquainted with them, and and they would have been rich and true. And so knowing that this comes from David, shepherd David, actually makes this psalm all the more vivid uh, as you look at it. All the more rich, and and I just want to give you one more warning before we get in. Um, This psalm is absolutely packed. Uh, It could have been several weeks looking at this one psalm. Uh, I get the privilege of doing it in one sitting, so buckle up. All right, we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun this morning. So let's start in verse one. Uh, Everything hinges, church, on verse one. This is our anchor. This is our foundation verse. Uh, that the psalm's gonna build on. So we're gonna spend a few minutes with it. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Um, Like I said, David was a shepherd. uh, He understood what shepherds do. He understood uh, what it meant to be a shepherd. And now here, David compares himself to a sheep. Um, He compares himself to the sheep. He says, Lord, you are my shepherd. You are my shepherd, meaning I'm not just a sheep. I'm not just wandering around um, uh, aimlessly and vulnerable. I'm not just a sheep kind of in survival mode. No, I am your sheep, and you are my shepherd. David says, I am in his flock. He is my shepherd. And I instantly think back, and we're going to come back to this verse later, but in, in John 10, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So David says, I'm not just a sheep, I am your sheep. You're not just a shepherd, you are my shepherd. You are my shepherd. And and here's what I want us to see as we kind of launch into this. A good shepherd is not passive toward his sheep. A good shepherd is, is not apathetic toward his sheep. A good shepherd is not removed from his sheep. No, a church, a good shepherd knows his sheep, 
cares for, protects, guides. A good shepherd is in with the sheep, not removed, but in with the sheep, knowing them involved and active. A good shepherd will actually give his life for his sheep. That's a good shepherd. And David knew exactly what he was saying when he called our God our shepherd. He knew exactly what that meant because your God is not passive towards you. Your God is not apathetic towards you. Your God is not removed from you. Your God is your shepherd who is present, cares for you, protects you, guides you. And your God would even sacrifice himself to save you and to protect you. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, again, says, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's exactly what he did on the cross. He was fulfilling his role, one of his roles as our shepherd, fulfilling that perfectly. Church, this is really good news. The Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, David says, I shall not want. I shall not want. So, of course, we think of sheep who have everything they need, right? They have the field. They have the water. They're protected from predators. They, they have everything they need to thrive and to live. Um, they shall not want. But I don't want you to miss something. Just foundational. Before we get any further, I don't want you to miss this. Um, the reason the sheep are not in wanting, the reason they're not lacking, is, is not because the abundance around them. It's not because they, they hit this jackpot and they're like, hey, we found this field. It's always green. It's always lush. We have water, no wolves. It's not that they found this jackpot, right? The sheep are not in want and not lacking for one reason. It's because they have a really good shepherd. That is the reason they're not in want. The sheep aren't confident in the grass, they're not confident in the water. They're not confident that there are no more predators around. The sheep are confident in their shepherd. They're confident that he will lead them to the grass and to the water. They're confident that he is there to protect them from their predators. Their confidence is in the shepherd, not in their circumstances. And I want us to see this because no matter how, how good or difficult life is for these, for these sheep, their confidence is in their shepherd. Their confidence is in him, that they are his sheep, that they will have everything they need. In church, as we get into this in the same way, we don't find our comfort, our confidence in our stuff, in our situations, in life around us. It's not external. It's not our stuff. It's not even in ourselves. We find our comfort in our confidence in our shepherd. He is the reason that we can say, I shall not want. Not because we hit the jackpot. Not because we found this never um, fading green lush field or perfect water that we're never gonna go without. Not because our predators are gone forever. But church, the reason we can say, like David, I shall not want is because our shepherd is good. Because we are his. Because he is our, 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 our joy, our confidence doesn't come from the shepherd's stuff comes from the shepherd himself. No matter what comes our way, we won't be lacking because we know, uh, no, my shepherd cares. My shepherd knows. My shepherd is here. My shepherd protects. My shepherd guides. My shepherd will not leave me. He provides. He shelters me. And he even gives himself for me. And so we can say what David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. Now, David is going to now build on this foundation. And look at the next two verses with me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, before we dive into the specifics of these, um, I want us to see something. We just said that our hope is not in the benefits of the shepherd. It's in the shepherd himself, right? So I want us to see, notice all the pronouns, all the he's in these two verses. He makes me lie down. Um, he leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, it's about what the shepherd does. It's about what the shepherd provides. This psalm is not about the good grass, the good water, and the good protection, or any of the other good benefits of the shepherd. This psalm is certainly not about the goodness of the sheep either, by the way. Um, this psalm is about the goodness of our good shepherd. That's it. That's what this is about. That's what it drives us to. And this is really big to understand. And I want us to take a quick moment before we continue on and actually go line by line through that. Um, and I want us to bring up two schools of thought that are really prevalent in our culture that we need to guard ourselves against. Um, on one side, we have what's called prosperity theology. Prosperity theology... Um, it's this idea that God wants us to be happy and healthy and wealthy. And it's this idea that the closer we are to God, the more blessed we are. The more blessed we will be, the more we will prosper. And most of the time that is physically and with material things, but not, not, not always. But the closer we are to God, the more blessed we are. And on this side, we tend to focus more on God's stuff than we do on God himself. We tend to focus in the context of our text on, on the shepherd's, uh, the green grass, um, on the water, on the protection, more than we focus on the, the shepherd himself. On this, on this side, the shepherd really becomes a means to an end. It becomes the means to that end. And on this side, the reality is, is God's stuff really becomes our God and God himself becomes a means to his stuff. And that's kind of the downfall of this side. But there's another side of this. That's one strain of thought. The other side of this is something that's called poverty theology. Poverty theology sees the downfalls of this and kind of runs the other way, pushes it way over. And, and it's this idea, on this side, we even struggle to enjoy the good things God gives. It's this idea, it's this pious way of thinking that, that we won't enjoy anything in life other than God himself. We're not gonna enjoy the good grass. We're not gonna enjoy the good water. In fact, money's the root of all evil, so I want none, right? That's the, that's the kind of school of thought for poverty theology. And so we feel guilty to enjoy what the shepherd provides. We feel guilty to enjoy the grass and the water and the protection and the guidance. Uh, we fail to walk in the joy and the benefit of being his sheep. We fail um, to walk in the joy of him being our shepherd. Now, both of these schools of thought, poverty and prosperity theology, miss the mark. Both of these strands of thought are untrue, and both of these strands of thought misunderstand the character of our shepherd. Because on, on one side, on the prosperity side, we forget the joy is in our shepherd. We forget joy is our shepherd. And on this side, we forget that our shepherd is good, and he provides us with good things. Both of them miss the mark. And here's why I bring this up here. In this text... 
In um, this text, we see the green grass, we see the, the still water and, and all of the other blessings. And what we see them doing for David is driving his focus and his attention and his worship upward to God. The good things, the, the great grass cause him to, to praise the shepherd. The water causes him to look up to praise the shepherd. David worships the Lord, his shepherd, and the shepherd's goodness does nothing but to fuel that worship. That's the relationship between, and so we, got, we have to guard our hearts on one side that we don't love and pursue God's blessings more and over than we love and pursue God himself. And on the other side, that we don't miss the blessings that God brings to our lives that are meant to fuel our worship for our God. I've said this before, but any, hear me, any good cup of coffee that doesn't cause you to worship and praise the good God who gave you such a good gift is a wasted cup of coffee. Every good cup of coffee should stir our affections and our hearts to God who created such good things. I mean, if you don't like coffee, repent. Uh, <laughs> place something else there, all right? Place something else. Um, through all of this, through this text, the point of this text is that our shepherd is good. That's the point of this. And, he, and let's look at this line by line. This is beautiful. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I don't know how many of you have experience with sheep. I have to ask. I mean, there might be some shepherds. I knew we had one or two, <laughs> right? Not many of us know a lot about sheep. Um, that's okay. But here's the deal. In order for sheep to lie down, there has to be conditions that are met. They're finicky. And, and, and they, they not, they're not going to relax. It's going to take more than just a lush green patch of grass. It's not like they're going to see grass and go, hey, let me lie down, right? There has to be conditions that are met before that sheep will actually lie down. Four things must happen, all right? Four things, real quickly. Number one, a sheep will not lie down if it's scared, right? Uh, a sheep must be free of fear for that sheep to, to relax and lie down. That's number one. Number two, uh, sheep will not lie down if there's tension within their flock. They are social creatures, and if there is tension going on, friction, they're not going to lay down, they're not going to relax, all right? Number three, a sheep will not lie down if it's being aggravated or tormented by pests, right? So, so you know, flies or parasites or whatever, they're not going to, that aggravation makes it impossible, and I don't blame them, to lie down and to relax, right? And number four, a sheep will not lie down if it's hungry or hangry, right? Not gonna lie down, right? So, so fear, tension, aggravation, hunger, these things are gonna keep the sheep from being able to rest. They're gonna keep the sheep from being able to lie down in that fluffy, green, lush grass. They're gonna keep the sheep from doing that. So here's the point. This text is far more, far less about the green pasture and far more about the fact that the sheep are fully and completely satisfied in their shepherd in order for them to lay down. This, this is um, a sheep lying down in green pastures has more to do with the shepherd's care than it ever did about the green grass. It has more to do about resting in the shepherd than it ever did about resting in the field. Sheep 
needs to feel safe and secure. And so David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows the implications of this statement. He knows it's more than the grass. He, he knows that he's, he's saying that he is safe, secure. There's no fear. There's no aggravation. There's no tension. There is no hunger because the sheep are under the good care of the good shepherd and now he is able to rest. The, uh, the best thing about this lush green pasture is not the grass, but the presence of the shepherd. The best thing, church, about our life, the best thing about any situation you might find yourself in is the presence of the shepherd, the presence of Christ. It has so little to do with the field. It has so little to do with the field and so much more to do with the fact that we are free from fear tension, aggravation, and hunger. It has so much more to do with the simple fact that we, because of our good shepherd, now feel perfectly safe and perfectly secure, and we are able to rest perfectly because of the shepherd that we have. Church, and more than that, he's, David says, he leads me beside still waters. Um, again, for those who aren't familiar with sheep culture. Um, sheep are thirsty animals. They, they require a connection to a water source, right? They're not a flock of camels, right? They, they need to be connected to, but not just any water source. They need fresh water because here's what's gonna happen. If sheep are left to themselves, they're gonna find water. But so often, what's going to happen without the guidance of a shepherd is the water that they're going to find is going to be polluted, and it's going to, to lead them to parasites, to diseases. They're going to find water, but it's not going to be the water that's good for them. Now, if that's not a vivid picture of the human condition, I don't know what is. Because here's the reality. We like sheep. We need water. We're going to find it somewhere. But... The source that we find on our own is so often a source that brings us nothing but disease, parasites, and, and leads to sickness. Throughout human history, we've had, human, humanity has had this, this thirst, this craving for what is eternal and for God himself. We long for it. Every, every generation has longed for this, and we, we thirst for it. Only the sources that we find do not lead us to fresh water. And David, as he wrote this, understood this. It's only through the guidance of our good shepherd that we are able to drink of the good water. This is what our Savior does. This is, he guides us. Uh, Jesus makes us thirsty and then gives us drink. By his grace, he gives us, he gives us drink. Um, our praise, then, is not in the fresh water. It's in the one who led us to that fresh water. That's our praise, that's our joy, that's our, our hope. It's in our shepherd, and he is the one who causes us to rest. Now, I, I want you to hear me. Some of you are hearing this so far, and you think about your life, and, and you're thinking, yeah, my life is nothing like relaxing in lush green grass by still streams of water. That is not a picture of what my life looks like, right? Um, life, church, can be so challenging, and I've said this before, but the Christian life is not a life of sunshine and lollipops. It never has been. The Christian life is not an easy life. 
It is not a problem-free life. It is not a struggle-free life. That's not what being a Christian is all all about. In fact, hear me, even sheep who are under the care of their good shepherd will face trials and difficulties and hardships. And this is why it is so important that now David pushes this deeper. Listen, he says, he restores my soul. Here's the reality. If one of the shepherd's sheep, if, if one of them is lost, the shepherd will find it. If one of the shepherd's sheep falls, the shepherd will go to it. If one of the shepherd's sheep is struggling, the shepherd will care for it. The shepherd restores his sheep. In church, um, we as his sheep, this is really good news. Because you may be here and you may be in need of restoration. You may be here and feel wounded. You may be here and, and you have fallen over. You may be here and you may be struggling. You may be in need of restoration. And I love that I get to stand in front of you today and tell you what God has, has spoken to you, that in him there is restoration. I love that I get the privilege to tell you to look at this and just read this psalm and say he restores your soul. There is restoration in him, in our good shepherd. Um, For all of those who are looking for restoration, restoration is found in our good shepherd. Restoration is found. He's never gonna leave you. He's never gonna abandon you. He's never gonna forget you. You are his, and he is in the business of restoration. He's really good at it. And here, here's the truth. Um, although we are never promised sunshine and lollipops in the Christian life, we're never promised that. And although that is true, as a Christian, God will never put you through what he will not see you through. He's never going to put you through something that he will not see you through. He is never going to allow you to face more than you can stand. That's our confidence because our shepherd is good. He might expose us to things. He will expose us to things that will stretch us and strengthen us and grow us and expose us. Yeah, all of that is true. But he's, our confidence is in our good shepherd who will never leave us or abandon us and in our shepherd who knows what is best. Through all things, he will continually refresh and restore us through this life. Through all things. Church, our shepherd is good. Here's another thing about sheep. I think this might be the last sheep knowledge that I drop on you. So uh, I know you're, you're uh, sad about that. So um, sheep are creatures of habit. They, uh, they will tread the same trails. They will wear out the land that they are on. They will eat it barren. They will repeat the same actions over and over and over again until they wear out the land, wear ruts in the places that they travel. Uh, They are creatures of habit. And it's the shepherd who will guide them, right, who will lead them and guide them to new paths for their good. But sheep are stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. They think they know it all. And, and, and most of the time, the shepherd will actually have to drive his sheep to these new paths away from old habits and on to new paths. And it's a good thing we're not like them. Good thing we're not like those sheep. Um, we get so entrenched 
in ourselves and, and locked in our habits, walking down the same paths, and we're stubborn about it too, right? We're stubborn about it. And it takes our shepherd, our good shepherd, to, to come alongside us, to lead us, to guide us, and let's be honest, to drive us onto a different path. David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And again, um, because we are stubborn, we fight this, we kick and we fuss, but because our shepherd is good, because he cares for us and he loves us, he drives us into new paths for our good. He drives us. We're not left to our old self the way things were. No, church. Our shepherd knows that in order for us to live and to thrive, to grow, we must take a different path. And so... um, Here's one more thing I'll say about this. One thing that I absolutely love about this is it's not the sheep's responsibility to find this path. Right? It's not the sheep's responsibility to find this new path. It's not like they have to muster enough courage to get off the rut and to go. It's not like they need to find the path that they need to take to get to their good shepherd. That's not the picture that is painted here. The shepherd comes to his sheep and leads them, steers them, drives them to the new path. Church, this is us, and we are those sheep. We are those sheep. We are entrenched in our old, in our, in our old ways, in our own ways. And, and Jesus, our good shepherd, he's not just off in the distance somewhere waiting for us to figure out how to get off of our trail, blaze a new path to get to him. That's not the picture that is painted. And if that was the case, you and I would never get to him. We would never find our way. But, but here, Jesus comes to us, his sheep, and he leads us and he guides us and he steers us to a new path of righteousness for our good and for his glory. Now, let me say something really obvious here. Um, please don't brag as sheep. As sheep, please never brag about yourself because you and I are stinky and, and st- hopefully not literally, and stubborn. We're sheep. And, and sheep don't have the reputation of being the brightest animals either, just FYI there. He could have compared us to anything, but it's sheep. Um, they don't have the reputation for being the smartest creature creatures. And, and so we don't brag as sheep in anything. An arrogant sheep just does not make sense. Just doesn't make sense. We have nothing to brag in except for our good shepherd who leads us and provides for us and protects us. Again, it's all about him. And I want us to look now into verse four, because is David's gonna go even deeper here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Church, that is absolutely packed. That is absolutely packed. And I wanna, I wanna make a few observations from this real quick. And, and first, I wanna talk about this whole idea of, of walking through the valley of the shadow of death um, thing. Um, shepherds were transient. 
Shepherds were transient. They had to be. They would move the flock from, um, to good food sources, water, and protection. They would have to move. They would have to keep them moving because if they stayed in one place, they would exhaust their resources, and it's not good for the sheep. So they'd have to drive them. They would have to lead them transient to, to different places. And, and often, this travel through the valley um, would be dangerous. It would, uh, it would often expose themselves to predators. Uh, it, would, it would expose them to weather. It would, it would not, they weren't guaranteed adequate food. You know, it's, it's dangerous when you make this trek. You're exposing um, yourself. But, but the journey was for the good of the flock. Now, the flock might not see it, but it is. It's for the good of the flock because the shepherd knows what's best for the sheep. He knows what is best. And so I want you to notice just two things from this uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Number one is I want us to notice that it's walking through, through the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking through it. Notice it doesn't say that we walk in it. We're walking through it. Uh, there will be times, church, when we're gonna walk through, we're gonna deal with some pain and difficulty in this life. There's gonna be tough times that we're gonna navigate, but this is a through situation. This is a, we're not stuck in this. This does not define us. You are passing through. This is a through, better yet, you are being led through. This does not define you. You're being led by your all-knowing good shepherd. The second thing I want us to see here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, shadow of death, it doesn't say that I walk through the valley of death. It says that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So I love this. I wanna read a quote to you by um, Charles Spurgeon, old British preacher, probably one of my favorite preachers to ever I think he was one of the best preachers ever. Um, but he was, he was contemplating this verse, and I want, I want to read to you this. Um, it says, No one is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man in his path even for a moment. The shadow of a dog can never bite. The shadow of a sword can never kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Let us not, therefore, be afraid, for death in its substance has been removed, and only the shadow of it remains. That right there is awesome. Like, that is so good, because it is so true. And because we believe that, because we believe that, here's what David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil. And it's not about me, it's not about the sheep, it's not about the flock. He says, I will fear no evil because you are with me. It's all about our shepherd leading us and guiding us and he is with you and he is for you and because of him, we have nothing to fear. No evil should shake us. No evil should shake us because we are sheep of his flock. We are his. And then it says, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Now, a rod and a staff were just kind of standard issued equipment for shepherds. Um, 
let me, let me deal with the rod first. So, so the rod meant a couple things for a shepherd. Number one, it was defense. It was, uh, it was a defense for the shepherd, for the flock. It was his authority, his, his power. He wielded it as a weapon, right? Uh, he would protect the sheep with the rod. Now, um, the, in contrast, the staff was a lot different. See, the staff, whereas the rod was symbolized power and authority, protection um, and discipline, uh, the staff was, was different. The staff was used as a symbol of comfort for the sheep. So for example, uh, one of the ways a shepherd would use his staff is when there was a newborn baby, or a newborn lamb, baby lamb, I don't know, um, was born, uh, and it was separated from its, from its mother, the, the, the shepherd would use his staff to pick that lamb up and bring it back to his mother without getting the stench of his hands on the lamb because if that happens, the, there's a possibility that the, the mother lamb would, would reject that baby. So the, the shepherd would lovingly uh, guide the lamb back to its mom. It was a symbol of comfort. Um, it was used by the shepherd, another example, to, to lead the sheep. I mean, just steer them. Whereas the rod was used more for discipline. Like, like if you see a sheep about to eat a berry that's poisonous, they're going to feel the sting of the rod, right? The, the, the staff would guide, would guide. It was a symbol of, of comfort and care and kindness and guidance. And so David here says, Lord, you are my shepherd, and your power and authority and discipline and protection of your rod and your care and your comfort and your kindness and your guidance of the staff, they comfort me and I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Even in the valley, I have nothing to fear because my shepherd is here. And I want you to know, you might be traveling, you might be in one of those through situations. You're traveling through a valley right now. You've gotta know you're not alone You've got to know that your shepherd still carries his rod and his staff, and he is there. He has not left you. But here's the reality. Just as the sheep don't sit there and look inwardly for their comfort and protection in these times of the valley, um, church, don't look inwardly for your comfort through your times in the valley. Look to the good shepherd. Look to Christ because you are not and you will never be alone. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. He is here. We look to him. And now let me just deepen this point a little more. David says, you ready? This blows my mind. Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So let me state something really obvious here. So when your enemy approaches... When your predator is lurking, kind of giving you the eye, you know it's coming, right? That's not the time to whip out a picnic blanket, set up a table, and prepare for lunch, right? That, that's not the time. Think of what the picture David is painting here for us. Think, of, think about this. The good shepherd is taking his sheep to the proverbial table. It's set for them. Uh, many people think this is a reference to the tablelands, the mesas, um, but he sets the stage for his sheep to feast and to enjoy in the very presence of the enemy. 
So although there's an enemy out there and they, you enjoy. The table is set for you in the presence of your enemy. What a picture. Church, Jesus, our Savior, has gone before us and prepared a place for us. And although you have a very real enemy, although you have an enemy that seeks to kill, to steal, to destroy, you have nothing to fear because your shepherd still has that rod. You have nothing to fear because your shepherd is with you. You can enjoy what the shepherd has provided you right in the presence of your enemy. Remember that in those valley times. In the very presence of your enemy, you can enjoy what the good shepherd has given you. And again, church, this is not about you. It is not about your ability to keep yourself out of harm's way. This, I guess I have one more fact about sheep. Um, they're not great at keeping themselves out of harm's way. They're a lot like children where if you leave them alone, they'll severely hurt themselves, hurt others, and burn your house down, right? Sheep, if left alone, would not make it. They would be lunch. They wouldn't be having it. They would be it, right? They, they would not survive. They need a shepherd. This is all about the shepherd church. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd who leads us, who guides us, who protects us, who comforts us, who disciplines us, who is in control and who knows what's best for his sheep. He cares for his flock and he even gave himself for his sheep for his flock. I want to read what I read at the beginning one more time. In John, Jesus, this is our good shepherd here speaking. This is our shepherd talking to us. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And again, if you just read a couple verses more, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Church, this is our shepherd, Jesus Christ. He, he knows you, you are his, and he is yours. He has given himself for you to protect you, to save you. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear me on this. Um, he didn't just care for you back then. He didn't just give his life for you on the cross raise from the dead and wring out his hands and say, okay, glad that's over with. That is not the picture that our Bible paints for us about our God. The picture that is painted, church, is that your good shepherd is still on the job, that he still cares for you, that he still knows you, that, he, that you are still his, and he is our good shepherd. This morning, um, if you are here and you do not know if you are a part of the good shepherd's flock, if you're hearing this and you're like, I don't even know if you're talking about me, um, if you're not sure that, it, that Jesus is your good shepherd, church, I, I want to encourage you, don't leave here today without talking to me, talking to one of our elders. To, we would love to pray with you, to pray for you, because here is the truth. Here's the truth. I, you, here's the invitation. This, again, is our good shepherd talking to you. 
I want you to hear this. This is our good shepherd inviting you. Here's what he's inviting you to. Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The good shepherd is calling you to follow him, to come to him, to rest in him, to abide in him. And my hope this morning is that you respond, that you believe in Jesus Christ as your good shepherd. Your good shepherd, that you enter into the joy of of being in our good shepherd's care that you enter into that joy. And and Christian, for you, the call is so simple this morning. The call is so simple that that our shepherd is good, that he leads us, protects us, knows us, cares for us, guides us, yes, disciplines us, drives us to new paths. He provides and he gave his life to protect us. Our shepherd is good. So as you read the 23rd Psalm, As you meditate on this psalm, I want four words to resonate so loudly in your mind. My shepherd is good. Every time you read this, my shepherd is good. My shepherd is good. And I want us to close with this last verse together. Um, Because the news, if you believe it or not, just gets better. Um, Listen to this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David not only looks around and says, yes, I'm in the good shepherd's care now. David looks ahead, looks at the future, and he realizes something. The benefits of being under my shepherd's care will never end will never end. They will follow me all of the days of my life and beyond that. They're gonna last forever. I will never be separated from my shepherd. Church, the the benefits of being under your shepherd's care, the benefits of being in Christ will never end because you will never be separated from your good shepherd, ever. You will never, all of the days of your life and beyond into all eternity, you will never be separated from him. Church, our shepherd is good and we are in his care for all eternity. That is good news. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the life you bring Thank you for the joy that it is to be a part of your flock. God, forgive us when we go through this life and we pursue your stuff more than you. God, forgive us when when we, on the other side, when you give us good things and we ignore them and they don't drive us to worship you. God, forgive us when we focus so much on the green grass and the the water and the protection that we forget about our good shepherd. And I pray that this morning is just a resounding reminder to us that you are good, that you are our good shepherd. God, in this moment, I, I, I pray for every one of us 
for, for those in this room who have been following you for years, uh, who are growing in their faith, who, who know that you are their good shepherd, um, for those in this room who are in a place where you're not sure, where you're wondering and, and life is presenting you with all kinds of questions right now, and for those in this room who are here and you know I, I am not in, my good, in that good shepherd's care. For all of us, no matter who we are, you have brought us to this place for a reason. And God, for all of us, our prayer is that you cause us to see Jesus more clearly. That we see the goodness of our good shepherd and that we respond that we respond in faith, we respond in, in repentance, God, that we respond in obedience, but God, that we would respond. For every one of us, would you cause us to, to our eyes to open, our ears to open, our hearts to open, and would you speak, would you move through your spirit, would you draw us to yourself, and would you give us the courage, the faith, to respond. God, we are so grateful for your word. You are our shepherd, and we will not be in want. God, we give you glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.